Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Both hailing from parts unknown at a combined weight of 501 pounds. They are the Morning Rush Hour World Tag Team Champions. They have no fear, no back down, just a couple of gutsy guys. No one will take those MRH World Tag Titles from these men. It's Taz, it's the Moose, illustrious champions, right here every day on CBS Sports Radio. You know it's every day, Moose and Taz be picking away. Talking about every sport, you know that they never missing a play. From the NBA to the NFL, the college games. They always bring in the knowledge, nobody ever can try to go stop it. Only be talking the truth, only be talking the truth, hey. You know it's Taz and Moose with you as we come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Home is more than a house. It's a personal paradise. Get yours with Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. You've got Mike and Pete across the way. Bogish with your updates, Taz. As uh, the Washington Nationals are your World Series champs after what was. I'll be interested what the ratings are, Taz. Uh, what was uh, an epic seven-game series? It really yeah. was a real. It was a very, very entertaining series. I, you know, I, you know, and, I agree. You know, I, I thought certainly it, it ratcheted up after the the game three fi- victory by the Houston Astros. The fact that we get to seven games after the Nats win the first two games on the road in Houston. Um, I thought game six was riveting. I thought game seven was riveting. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, and we're both baseball fans, Taz. So you know, it's kind of playing to what we like, but. I thought it was a I thought it was a really really entertaining fun series. I agree, and I I gotta tell you, I did not think it was going to be. I did not think it was going to be as good of a series. I didn't. I thought I thought the Astros was going to you know just beat them up and stuff like that. I didn't think it was going to be riveting baseball. Um, I was way wrong, man. I was wrong on who would win. I was wrong on how it would go. I mean, and no one nobody was able to predict that. Not one home team victory for either squad would happen, which is still like amazing. Amazing, uh, I, I, and like we said when we kicked off the program, I don't think you'll ever see that again. Strasburg, you know, the World Series MVP, um, Scherzer <laughs> gutted his way through a Game Seven performance, five innings, well over a hundred pitches. Um, you know, Granke was good until he gives up that home run to Rendon in the seventh inning. The Astros had that two nothing lead. The well, Nats put up that crooked number, the three spot in the top half of the seventh inning. They take a 3-2 lead. They go on to the 6-2 victory. And, you know, I, I know, listen, I'm surrounded by Met fans when I walk into the room, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, Taz is a huge Met fan. Bellotti, Biseglia, Bogus, everyone's Met fans around here. And I get the rivalry. I, I understand you can't stand the Nats. However, you know, I I did feel good for that fan base where, you know, they all they've known is postseason failure and disappointment where the best player goes to the arch rival, the Philadelphia Phillies in right. the offseason. And to see the scenes, you know, it's not, you know, yes, it's great to see the players celebrate Taz, but I love watching the videos down in, 
you know, down at the stadium yeah. where, you know, people are enjoying it in the rain. Yeah. Uh, I like the the fact you're seeing it, you know, at bars around our nation's capital down in Washington, D.C. And you see, because there's nothing like, I'll, I'll never forget being in the, at Yankee Stadium in 96 when the Yankees won a World Series. The first time, first one I ever remember, right? 96 World Series when they came back from 2-0 down on the Braves and being in there with my older sister, Kim, in, in game six and being in the building that night, sitting in the right field stands and feeling that place. And I'll, I'll never forget kind of the first time because it was just, you know, all I knew was, you right. know, well, I, and not that they had a great postseason failures, but all I, I watched them, they weren't a particularly good team. I mean, they were an 87, 88 win team, but they right. weren't, you know, they weren't really that, that great of a, of a baseball team. They never really won to feel it for the first time to win that World Series or win a championship for a team that you root for, I felt good for the Nat fan because it was unexpected. Nobody really uh, thought they were going to win a World Series this year, and they go out there and win a World Series. I got to tell you, I think during the next break here in this show, yeah, you need to go on like one of those real estate websites, and you need to buy a house <laughs> in, in, that, in that D.C. Beltway down there, in that Baltimore D.C. Beltway. Mm-hmm. I think you mm-hmm. guys should move down there. <laughs> Thanks, You guys. are obsessed with the Nationals. Your love for the Redskins is undeniable, and 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 and, and you know you you really belong down there wearing the would you no, call it no, the no. crooked W? Would you call it the the, the curly W? The curly it's w? part of the core. I yeah, didn't I make that up. It's the curly W. I know you quoted it. Yeah, I, I quoted it. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't come up with that. You heard the play-by-play guy on the radio enough. in D.C. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't feel good for the Nat fan. No. No, when you're seeing the big heavy set guy sliding across the in heavy the rain. Heavy set guy he was obese. I know. Well, you're being I'm being genuine, kind. Being nice. I'm being kind. He what was, do you want was, me to make fun? He was the, the size the, of a small foreign car. I, I understand that. He's a big man. A big young man when he's Hondo. When he when he rips off his shirt. Yeah, right? I, I wanted to upshot Hulk Hogan in my mouth. style. Hulk Hogan and style. he's sliding across the dugout roof of the ceiling, right? When he's sliding yeah. across the roof of the dugout down there in Washington amongst the raindrops. You're not feeling good for that then? No, I'm picturing a Oh come on. Yes, you are a little bit. I'm picturing a disgruntled Met fan from like Forest oh, Hills dropping a knee on the back of his head. Stop. That's what I'm thinking. I am good Met for the fan. Nat fan. The hell with them. How about that? Well, you need to move down there, dude. You need to go to. You need to move down. There. You love the Nats. Well, it also helps. I made a little. I was gonna say. That, I, I I got. I'm, I'm only. <laughs> Lord knows what happened there with that. Was that? Oh my lord! It doesn't. It's you know, I know not a lot much. of tattoo artists. You can get. A, you can get the curly W no, on, I'm not on your back no. if you want. <laughs> Nats forever? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I've got one tattoo. That's All it. Right. That's good enough for me. Curly W. That's it. The curly W. Right. I walk back, and that's on my chest. I'm be like, what are you doing? Love the Nats. What are you doing? You're a Yankee fan. Yeah. You you grew up in New York. Why do you have a curly W on your on your left chest? By yeah. like where your pocket would be exactly. when you put pens. Exactly. I'll go on the record right now and tell you the Nationals are never going to win another World Series in the rest of their existence. Mark it down. There it is. Let Hello. Put that on there. <laughs> put, yeah, he's no, no, bought no. that down. <laughs> the market, Ever. Market. Ever. Enjoy it now. Enjoy it now. All you people from Delaware and Jersey that well, work for them. You got what, what, is, what is the state? What is it? It's the District of Columbia. It's not even like it's not like they're living in like Nebraska or, or Missouri or Texas, one of the great states in America. It's, it's not a state. Well, I understand it's a District of Columbia. I get it. That that alone, all of our states, all of our great cities in this great country, our nation's capital, San Francisco, Los Angeles, 
Atlanta, you know, Houston, Dallas. So I'm going to make, make fun it. of it because it, it, it's yes. small? You're, yes. Well, not that it's small. That it's there's really no, I don't know. I mean, I'm not big into geography. But believe it or not, but it's not to me. It's to me. It's not like a big deal here. I'm a little annoyed about the whole thing. I got you. Well, I can understand if you're a Met fan. Like you wanted the Strohs to win last night, two nothing, seventh inning. You're like nine outs away. It's nine true. outs away. I really want. I can. I want I, in one fell swoop, it will be a perfect Wednesday night in the Taz household. <laughs> we'll bury Moose. I don't have to hear about the Nats anymore. The uh, Strohs will win another title. Uh, Orange is my favorite color. That's true. And, and that's where we're uh, I mean, yeah. this is. I mean, this is as we're we're almost there. And I'm thinking. And then all of a sudden, Rendon yawning and all hits one about 800 feet, and, and you're yeah. like, "Oh my god, it's happening again!" <laughs> oh my god, bring in Garrett Cole. Oh my god, here comes Will Harris. Oh. <laughs> then, as I'm coming in this morning, I'm like, "Oh man, I know, I know how Moose is going to start the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a big party." <laughs> oh, I don't know. Because uh, I figured you well, probably had your lucky rabbit's foot in your pocket when you went to the when you went to talk to your friend about this game before it happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's it. Right. I, I did don't know what my, I'm allowed to say. Not say. So that's, I yeah. did have my lucky rabbit's foot. You're right. Yeah. And and listen, if you're a, if you're a Washington sports fan, as you celebrate that title, the news comes out earlier in the day that Trent Williams, who decided to end his holdout and report back to the Washington Redskins. Uh, who has no intention of playing, fails his physical. Oh, did I tell you this was going to happen? Well, hold on a second. Fails his physical because of the very fact of that he put on his helmet and his, it was because they removed the benign growth on his head. That's what he was upset with the medical staff for in the offseason uh, for how they handled that benign growth. But he was, uh, he, he was uncomfortable wearing the helmet. He was in pain wearing the helmet. So, see... <laughs> Well, I mean, Taz, I, I, I listen. Did you Dr. think of me when you read this story? I, well, I, I did you think did. it's it's a joke. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's I a it's you, a comedy. Not playing. I mean, he's that's not a, playing. I know well, don't even do that. But well, I mean, that's fine. He's not going to play. But I mean, if you fail your physical, I mean, what's the next step here? I mean, for the Washington Redskins, I, he obviously has no interest in playing for you. Oh, Why the Redskins fine. decided not to trade him and think that this was going to go away over the course of time. And there's some that speculate that it's about the contract. He's only got two years, including this year, left on his deal. So one additional season. You know, so he comes back, and the before he even does the physical, the reports are already out that he has no intention of ever playing for the Redskins this year. So why even report? Well, you report because so you what, want the year to count. Well, what do you do now? Seriously, like, what do you do? So if they should have trade him to the Browns. I know, I know that. They should have trade him to the they, Patriots two the Brown, months ago the when they called him. And the Browns wanted him, right. But now, what? But seriously, like, what do you do now? So he stays now for the for the rest of this year. And if you're the Redskins, like, and you're close to this because you're a Redskins fan, so and you, you follow the story heavily, what do you do? Seriously, uh, it, what, what, what? As far as with Williams, well, now I, you got another year left on the deal. Well, yeah, this year. you're, you're going to trade him in the off season. You're going to trade him. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, unless you bring in a new head coach and he's able to rectify the situation. I mean, Trent Williams reportedly wants the medical staff gone. I mean, and unless Bruce Allen and, and Daniel Snyder back down off of that well, and they get rid of the medical staff or change doctors or how the players right. are handled or treated, Taz, which I don't think is going to happen. Because I've I never think, even heard that happen. We talked about that a long time ago. I've never ago. heard that before. But that, right. The first time I've ever heard it was when we talked about it here with the Redskins, the training and medical staff, and Williams. And I got to tell you, and I remember saying it to you, it had to be, I don't know, eight, seven months ago. If you're the Redskins and you're going to die on the hill of your training or medical staff instead of your all-star offensive tackle, right? 
That seven-time Pro Bowler, right? That All-Star offensive tackle gets really angry and says, "This is a load of BS that you are going to die on the hill for the training staff as opposed to me." There, something must not have went right because you never hear. I've never heard of a player this angry about the training and medical staff. It's crazy. The story's nuts to me. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you, Taz. I would have traded him months ago. And I love Trent Williams as a player, and I don't blame him for how this has all gone down. It's not like I'm angry and saying, oh, how dare you do this or this. I would have traded him. I would have gotten – the Redskins are not winning anytime soon. By the time that Trent Williams, when he's done playing relevant uh, football, the Redskins still might be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, but, so, no, but my point, though, dude, is like I would have – listen, I'm talking about when this thing first started. Yeah, you would have gotten rid of the medical staff. I don't disagree with you. What would you have done? I would have got. yes, I agree. Because you, you got to, the players are more important than the medical but, staff. But the Redskins are morons. Right, right. You're As right. an organization, they are they are morons. They they don't rec- you, you have a you have an owner that is so arrogant and so delusional, who's surrounded by nothing but yes men, who basically tell him and women, that basically tell him, you know, that everything he does is great and golden and, you know, he's the grand like poopa. Right, so so Taz, so that's the scenario they're in. They're they're they've got a, they've got a Bruce Bruce Allen who's an executive. Where if the Redskins got rid of him, there's not another team in the National Football League that would hire him. His days in the NFL would be over. He's a terrible executive. Yeah. So this is what you're dealing with now down in Washington. Every day you're dealing with this guy complete and, and total every ineptness. Day, every day, because the Redskins look at it and they think Daniel Snyder thinks he's probably more important than the players, which is nonsense. That's that is nonsense. And, right? and I bet is, you're right. I bet you're right. But that is nonsense. Yeah, nonsense. And and the Redskins are saying, "Well, how dare he? We're paying him whatever they're you know ten million a year, whatever it is to play left half. He should report. I don't care what happened with this benign growth." And right. and Trent Williams is basic is telling him, "No, I I, I don't want to." I don't want to. I want to be treated better than you're treating me. You misdiagnosed this. It's a problem. It's a concern. I don't want to be handled by this medical staff. And the Redskins are, you know, they are theoretically giving them the middle finger. So puts this his is helmet, where we're at. I would have trained him months ago. Puts his helmet on and he's he's uncomfortable and he can't play. He's in pain wearing the helmet. Wearing the helmet. Yeah, that's it. So, right. And you can't. That's not a see now. For example. That's not something you can go have him go get an MRI, have him get an X-ray no. or a CAT scan. That's just him saying it hurts and I can't play. Right. I mean, that's just like Ramsey saying with the Jaguars when he was with the Jags. My back hurts. And I'm not calling nonsense, but you know this. I am. If he got traded, well, if he got traded to Cleveland Browns, he put on a brown helmet, he'd be a okay. Just like Ramsey's back all of a sudden didn't work. Right. Uh, Remember was, that was whole Dion thing where right. Dion came across like the clown oh, he is. God. And that Cackling interview. Is that doctor? Where's that doctor? Where's that? Where's that, Where's that, my back? Where's that guy? Where's yeah, that guy? You, I'm done with Dion. Remember, I used to oh, love Dion. We had that. That was an early season. You're like, how dare you? Yeah, but that's true. How dare you critique that's Dion? <laughs> Dion's my guy. He he was my guy. I, I remember that until uh, that interview. That I don't remember just Ray about. Lucas, but I remember that. I was yeah. like, what? Well, it's I'm funny. like, Taz is dying on the hill on for Dion Sanders. You have something what they call. There's a medical term for it. <laughs> Okay, it's called selective memory. I don't... So you have an amazing memory. <laughs> Ten times better than my memory, but it's selective. <laughs> so I understand what's going on. I'm just letting you know. I know the deal. Uh, and then you get to Baker Mayfield, oh. who... <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Here is... Um, let's hear it, and then we'll react. Here is Mayfield meeting with the media yesterday. The Brown star quarterback. Take a listen. 
It seemed like there was a lack of urgency there. There was something going on. There was a penalty, so we were negative yardage. No, but there was a lot of time between snaps. Uh, well, when the penalty happened, then we're behind the chains. No, 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 stop saying but. I just told you the clock was running and we had a penalty. Do you want to give them the ball back? No, you don't play. You don't know it. That's just plain and simple. Was I happy with the drive? No, we didn't score points. It's the dumbest question you could ask. What? <laughs> I mean... Oh my God, that is just, uh, that's a great way to really get over with the media. Tell a guy, you don't play, you don't know, basically paraphrase, you don't know Jack, shut up, you're a jabroni. That's basically what you said to the guy. Yeah, and, which is unfortunate for Mayfield. Yeah, how do you know this guy never played? How do you know the guy, I mean, I understand where you're going to go, and you're right where you're going, by the way, but before you go there, like, how do you, how do you, if you're Mayfield, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know. Yeah, okay. the guy's not in the NFL. We got it. How do you know the guy didn't, wasn't a, a really good football player in high school? He could have been or a really right. good college player, a D two, a D three, or D one school. You know what I mean? How do you know he doesn't really know the game? You're telling him you don't play. Yeah, he don't play now. And just because he don't play in the NFL doesn't mean he didn't play football, right? And just because he didn't play football, let's say he didn't, doesn't mean he doesn't know the game. Right. That's the biggest problem. Don't disagree. You could take it from him, Moose. No, I, know. I, I, I don't disagree with anything he said. Uh, I am here's what I'm surprised by with Mayfield and I and I know he was a guy that was difficult to warm up to but I did appreciate his coming from nothing to stardom and his story and his us against me against the world kind of mentality. I appreciated that Taz. I, I think sure, a lot too. of people appreciated that. Yeah. And you know, he's not prototypical size, he's not 6'4" 6'5" and I appreciate all that. <clears throat> I'll tell you though, my appreciation for Baker Mayfield is dying on the vine. And and the reason is he comes across so unlikable yep. and so poorly on so many different levels. And it, it's consistent drumbeat of it, Taz, that you find yourself just rooting for his ultimate failure. You find yourself, you know, wanting to say, <laughs> all right, throw three more picks. Oh, right. you're a disaster. And I used to root for him. I used to wa- I used to root for him at Oklahoma. I rooted for him last year when he had the 27 touchdown passes in his rookie year. I thought it was fun to watch. He is so unlikable now, the way that he conducts himself. Somebody in that inner I told circle. You a while ago, dude. I know I that. I know it. you were on top of I it, Tess. I felt it. I felt that he was just not. And, and, but, that, Tess, someone's got to talk to him and tell him, listen, it's one thing to be edgy. The way you're conducting yourself, you can't be handling yourself like this. I don't know who he respects. See, that's the thing. I'm not quite sure who he respects. I agree. Somebody needs to talk to him. So I don't know if it's somebody that's a, a, you know a contemporary or a guy who's a little bit older or a guy you know I, I I would assume he respects a lot of great quarterbacks or players, but a, a guy like a Tom Brady I'm sure now Tom Brady's not going to talk to him Tom's still playing he's with the Pats you know all that stuff, uh, but I'm just saying like I I think a guy like that could get to him get through to him I think it really needs to be somebody that he respects. That's gonna that he's gonna pay attention to and listen to. Otherwise, I don't. I think he's a at a point where he's in. A, I don't give a rat's ass about anybody. Okay, I busted my rear end to get here, and it sucks that I'm I'm better than being on a team that's two and five. He's angry about that. He's angry that everything he says is people jump on him. Well, you want to be a star. You want to do commercials. You want to be big time Jones coming out of Oklahoma. You you know you you want to be in front of a camera and a microphone all the time. Well, you got to deal with this, and this is this comes with it now. Now you 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 lose your cool midweek here, midweek when a guy is asking a simple question, telling you 
there was a lack of sense of urgency between snaps, and you bug out on the guy. Yeah. That's horrible. We should not be talking about Baker Mayfield right now, middle of the week. This conversation, I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like I know what you mean. The media in general. Yeah. People should not be talking about him right now. This should not have happened. There's no reason after practice. This is after practice, right? Yes. There's or no, before. Yeah, right. I think it was before. I think it was, it was after practice. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason. He knows his camera's all over the place. Yeah. But he's going to act like a badass. Like, I, I don't understand. I, I Taz, I, I don't disagree with you at all. And I don't I don't know if he's going to – I don't know if Baker Mayfield's going to wake up and, and change his attitude. I really don't. Um, and it creates an unnecessary distraction that the, the Cleveland Browns, who are losing, uh, where for the first-year head coach in, in Freddie Kitchens, who has not worked, that, that is a, a massive issue. I mean, it clearly is. They got I mean, problems it, on that team. Dude. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And then we – we stay there quickly here in the great state of Ohio. How about Cincinnati Bengals wideout A.J. Green? Mm. Final year is four-year, $60 million contract with the Bengals. Hasn't played all year. Remember, he had that, suffered that ankle injury out in Dayton, Ohio, when they were on that practice where they were on that practice field, remember, and everyone was complaining oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, so sure. he's not played all season long. He's 32 years of age. Um, final year of his deal, he basically told the Bengals yesterday, or not didn't, told everybody yesterday, Listen, either uh, either sign me to a long-term deal or let me go. He does not want the franchise tender for one year. I mean, listen, if you're A.J. Green, hey, this is the way the rules work in the National Football League. I hate to tell you, but uh, if the Bengals, you know, the Bengals, are, they might not be interested in trading the Taz, but here's the one thing I tell you, though. Uh, they're not going to give him a long-term deal either. Right. They're probably going to franchise him. I, that's it. I would think so. I think you're right. Yeah, no, crazy, man. Crazy. You guys are all nuts. Everybody's nuts. Really is. I mean, AJ Green. How do you come out? You haven't played all season long. How do you come out and basically say either uh, either sign me to a long? Why would I ever give a 32 year old wide receiver who's been banged up all season long, who's been hurt a lot the last two three years? Why would I ever give him a long term deal? And then he's threatening he doesn't want to play under the franchise tender. Then sit out the entire year. Exactly. Exactly. We'll get to your calls. Right. We'll do that next. It's Taz and the Moose with you. On this Thursday morning, CBS Sports Radio. Give Taz and the Moose a call. 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line of 855-212-4227 brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Yeah, you know, it'd be I put my microphone yeah. in front of my face. Pop um, it up. We were talking about uh, Baker Mayfield, and he verbally attacked a member of the media saying, you don't play football you suck. You don't know anything. Right. I paraphrase that. Yeah, it was a negative play. Taz, negative play. Negative that play. Boy. Uh, John Jersey, Radio.com. He is John, 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 John. He is John, 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 John. He is John, 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 John from Jersey. Hey, what's up, buddy? All right, Johnny. Hey, guys. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you, bud? Fair to Midland. I'm good, man. All right. You know, with... Baker Mayfield, uh, I mean, what is wrong with this guy? The only thing he's missing is the rubber nose because he's a clown. <laughs> rubber nose. That's nice. Oh, God, that's I mean, really. I, I, I just, you know, whether it's him, 
guys like Jamal Adams? I mean, what is wrong with these people? I mean, do they actually hear themselves talk before they open their mouth? I, I think a lot of it is. I think they a lot of these guys believe their own their own smoke, their own BS. Yeah, and and they they get hooked into it. I real all can aside. I think that's a big part of it. They really believe it. You know what I mean? Well, well I mean, look. I mean, to be good in anything, you have to think you're good. You know what I mean? Absolutely, I mean, you gotta be confident. No doubt about it. Right. But I think there's a difference between being confident and being arrogant. I mean, go win something. I mean, look. I fought with the Moose for years, where he's. A big Odell Beckham guy. Uh, is he still? Look, is Moose still an Odell not, Beckham not guy? A, not as big of an Odell fan <laughs> as I was and, before. And, and my argument to Moose has always been, look, the guy is a phenomenal talent. He says, never want anything. Shut up and win. And it's the same thing with a guy like Mayfield. I mean, Jesus, last week the Pats spanked you. Spanked them around. Spanked. What'd you do, a little sound effect there? Yeah, did. Did. Sound yeah effect? he did. Nice. I nice. think, what did he hit, your cheek? I, he hit the table. Oh, hit, the, the table. hit a piece of paper. I don't know what he hit. What cheek? No, no, I, I, I was all at the mouth. Oh, oh there you go. Him around. Nice. Pete the body could have well gave you a little drop. Well done. Yeah, he gave you a little slap sound effect. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, John. Yeah, no. you know, you're you're right. The Pats did embarrass him. You're right. No, and I, I just, and I, gotta, I guess I don't understand why players, they just put a mark on themselves. I mean, even look at what's going on with Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is a great player. Well, maybe not. He's a very good young player. But he thinks he's Ronnie Lott. He's not Ronnie Lott. He's not. No, I, I get it. And, and, and John, we, we talked about Adams yesterday, um, who's clearly still upset. How about if you're Jamal Adams, Taz, and you know you won't take a call from Joe Douglas or Adam Gaze after the trade deadline. Um, and I defended Adams. We had that conversation yesterday a little bit about it. Um, Taz, and he's bothered by the fact that Joe Douglas took calls from teams like the Dallas Cowboys mm. uh, right before the NFL trade deadline. Douglas said he didn't, he wasn't shopping around. Teams were calling him about uh, about Jamal Adams, and he threw in the the Brady comparison, Aaron Donald comparison. People are like, oh, you're not Tom Brady. He's not bringing up that very fact. Jamal Adams, I think, is looking at himself as being kind of a foundational piece of the Jets. And if you look at yourself as being a foundational piece of the Jets, are you really taking calls and trade offers for you? That's the way Adams looks at himself. And you might say, well, he's delusional. He should never look at himself that way. But that's that's the way. And I get his act does wear a little bit thin. And, mm. you know, it well, looks like the Jets and Adams are, are heading for a divorce unless something steps in well, at some point in time to rectify their relationship. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Jamal Adams as a, great a player. player. But the thing is, you got to be more mature than that, Jamal. I mean... This is a business before it's a sport, and that's what I, I think a lot of these guys don't get. They're a little bit immature because they've never had real jobs. They've never been in the business world. They've never dealt with really anything. They've always had representation. They were tremendous high school athletes. They, they jettisoned right into college on, on, a, on a full ride, and then they're, they're tremendous college players for a couple of years, and they go into the draft, and you know their, their hand is held through life. Besides, well, delusional. They are, besides their training and besides what they do, you know, uh, as athletes, my son was the same way. Now he's changing. He's learning the hard way. Like, all right, well, as you get older and you're not, you know, that athlete no more, and you're not, it's, you're not a pro athlete. You know what I mean? It's like, welcome to the real world now. Now you got to take care of things. It's not just about how good of an athlete somebody is. So these guys here, I think they get a little bit, you know, <laughs> they're delusional and they they get they're a little confused. And it, for Jamal not to realize that. Douglas is going to field calls for people that are interested in him, okay, or if they can move him to get better assets for the future for the New York Jets. He's crazy. It's business. No, that is. That is. And he should – I'll tell you one thing, Taz, that gives him a little bit of uh, 
kind of a, a little bit of an you know added knowledge that maybe some don't. His dad was an NFL player. That's a good point. I forgot about you that. You know, his dad George was 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 drafted by the Giants. Yeah. I mean, was was an NFL player. I now, the, about that. now the game's changed when George Adams was in the I mean, you're not talking different. about free yeah. agency, you're not talking yeah. about the amount of money that guys are making now. So the game's changed, but he does have that, you know, professional feel because you know, he's his dad went through when he was a young man. So yeah. or, you know, and and when Jamal Adams was obviously a, a you know, very young, and when he was a child. So. How old is Jamal Adams? Anybody know off the top of your head? He's I'd say 25, 26? Uh, no, no, no. He's younger I'd, than that? I'd say, I yeah, I'd say Jamal Adams 23, 24, no, right? No, he's that 23? No, I think he's older Didn't he that. come out of the, didn't he come into the league? At, came out a year early. He came after a junior year. Yeah. 24. He's 24. All right, so, oh, all right. so at 24 years 23, old, 24. you know, he's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's 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 a young guy. So if he goes talks to I don't know Adrian Peterson about the business of football, I'm sure a guy like Adrian Peterson is going to let him know. Listen, dude, they're going to move you around if they have to move you around. You can't get insulted. And it's, Peterson's it's, also going to tell him save your money. Well, I'll probably give him that advice. That's a little too. bit of a low shot, but or you can reach out to Dion, talk to Dion oh, and get Dion get cackled at Dion. Dion, 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 Dion. Dion. <laughs> sick of Dion already. Well, he, he. Well, how about Jamal Adams said anything that happens in Dallas, that's my town. I know about it. <laughs> I didn't know. He did said you, that did you hear that yesterday? No, he said anything that goes down in Dallas, anything. I know about. The Michael Irvin is a, Michael. Michael Irvin's like my uncle. I was like, oh my god, what? Some people are delusional. He means that too. I know. Like that was not funny. That like, was not he being funny. That. Like he was saying that straight out. Yeah. Anything that transpires. I what do you it. mean? The Kmart closed. <laughs> I knew anything. It. Anything that goes down in Dallas. They opened a new mobile mart on, you know, whatever street in Dallas. Well, yeah, I heard. I know. Right. I get get updates in my email, like sports updates in the morning, like little, like, headlines or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, I forget what it it is. I signed up for it. But something like kind of a newsletter I get in the morning. Jamal Adams is getting updates on Dallas. (laughs) Just... Dallas News. Right, Dallas News. Paul's old Dallas. Everything that goes on with Dallas. Bogus, good morning. How are you? Moose, Taz, good morning. Here's your report. It is sponsored by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. We've got to be quick, so let's go quickly back to Game 7 in Houston. It's the Nationals 6, the Astros 2. It was 2-0 through 6, Astros leading then an Anthony Rendon solo homer, a two-run shot from Howie Kendrick, and then a 6-2 win. First title in team history for the Nationals, first for D.C. since 1924. And again, defying all explanation, the road team wins all seven games in the series, outscoring the home team 49-14. Steven Strasburg voted MVP. Max Scherzer started last night. Gritty five innings, then three innings from Patrick Corbin, and then Daniel Hudson closed it out. Somehow, being down 47-14 to the Suns in San Francisco last night, not the low point for the Warriors. Steph Curry broke his left hand in a third-quarter fall. A CT scan will determine if he needs surgery. Thursday Night Football, it's the Niners unbeaten going to Arizona. That a meeting of the top two picks from April, Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa. Guys? All right. Uh, thank you, Andrew. We're going to talk, chat with David Sampson. going to join us. Uh, CBS Sports HQ, former executive with the Marlins. We'll talk about Game 7 of the Fall Classic as the Nats are your World Series champs. We're going to do that next. It's Taz and Moose on this Thursday morning, a Halloween edition. Happy Halloween, everybody. CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz.
Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. That's right here on this Thursday morning. It is a Halloween edition of Taz and the Moose with you as the Washington Nationals are your World Series champions. Game 7 victors as we walk aboard right now. David Sampson. Nothing Personal is his new podcast. CBS Sports HQ MLB analyst, former Marlins president, executive. Hey, David, Taz and the Moose with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. Hey, what's up? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? All right. Hanging in there, Dave. Hanging in there. I mean, what a magical run. You know, what a magical run here for the Washington Nationals uh, to be crowned World Series champs. I'm really happy for them, and, and I'm happy... I'm depressed this morning because, A, I'm exhausted, but, B, there's no baseball now until March. And well, you get your podcast on now, but you have a ton of content. You can just drop in your podcast. Oh, listen, I can't wait to get going. Uh, it's been three weeks on the show, and there's always stories. It's like the shows write themselves. There's so much business going on, and it really is nothing personal, and I love it. Is it we- let, me ask, let me ask you a question, Dave. Let me, is it a weekly yes. deal? Is it a weekly podcast, or how often are you doing it? No, it's every day, Monday to Friday. It drops around 5 p.m. Wow. I take any trending story, anything going on. Like yesterday, I talked about Baker Mayfield and what he did in his press conference or Jamal Adams and some of his quotes, even though he's got a new one today. I'll talk baseball, basketball, anything that's interesting. I review movies or TV shows every day. Wow. So sort of anything that's interesting, uh, give it a try. Uh, people are subscribing and listening, and it's becoming a bit of a conversation piece, and I'm enjoying it. How long, how long are you going with the podcast? Uh, it's forty-five minutes gotcha. every Monday, all, every Monday to Friday. There you go. That's great. Yeah, I, I used to do a daily show too, like that. Uh, but I was doing with video. But it's it's a lot of work. It's fun. It's a lot of it's great. And uh, yeah, we do a video. It's on CBS Sports HQ as well, and it's on YouTube every day. So the full forty-five minute video podcast is available as well. And you're right, it's a lot of work. It's hours and hours. The the most preparation you can ever do for a show is to make it look like it's not prepared. That's exactly right, and I was the master of that. Uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> but yes, so and well, David, all the success yeah, for you. Yeah, no and, doubt. And sounds like sounds of fun. That sounds That's really awesome. Good. Yeah. Um, you know, for Thank for you guys. for the Nats here, though, David, uh, you know, they had to go through a lot of pain to get here, uh, and a lot of disappointment, a lot of October failures here. What about uh, what the Nats accomplished here and how this World Series played out with every t- game being decided with the road team coming out victorious? Well, let me start on the second point and tell you that's why I didn't sleep much last night because I spent a lot of time when I was in baseball for those 18 years talking about home field advantage, the importance of home field advantage, how to make regular season games matter more, how to keep attendance going up if possible by keeping even teams with huge leads in their division like a Houston playing competitive games in September in order to get home field advantage. What if now it doesn't matter? What if all of a sudden players and teams realize that, listen, I don't need to expend that much energy because I can win on the road just as easily. That's a major thing that if, that if what happened this year becomes a trend, that's going to really impact baseball. Yeah. Hey, David, you know, Moose and I were talking earlier about, you know, we were a little, a little surprised that you know with Hinch that he didn't go to Cole in the seventh. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Um, while I said on my podcast it was my wait to see that Cole needs to pitch in that game, and uh, I'm not surprised, right? He's a free agent. His agent is Scott Boris. That tells you all you need to know about him, the player. And uh, he wants the money, and he was going to get the money anyway. 
if I'm the Astros, I've got to pitch him no matter what. But A.J. Hinch prepared me for it. He said during a press conference two days ago or yesterday, I don't want to get him hurt. I want him to go into free agency as healthy as he can be. I've never heard of such a thing. I want rings. That's all I care about. And that's all that should matter. So it was a disappointing pitching move that smelled a lot like um, both money and analytics. Well, I agree, and, and that's the point that uh, that Taz and I were making earlier on the show, David, is this. I mean, how do you go with Will Harris to walk to Soto, Rendon shot, 2-1 lead. He talks about the fact he doesn't want to put him in down. I get that, but still, having been 3-2 down is better than losing the game 6-2 and going to other relievers. How do you not have to go to Cole there in that scenario? But what's going to haunt the Astros, though, David, is you know the basically the small village they left on the bases early on in the game. It was not vintage Max Scherzer. They left nine guys on base in the first five innings. They could not get a clutch big hit if their life depended on it. They had every opportunity to blow that game wide open early. Yeah, I mean, we talk about what you do with runners in scoring position. Over the course of a season, analytically and sort of, and not even anecdotally, runners in scoring position average is generally going to be your team average over the course of a season. But in a small seven-game sample size, you can go five for 50. And in one game, you can go one for 12. And that is baseball. That is the most frustrating part about being in the front office. You can't do anything about it. You're sitting there. You're screaming inside and sometimes outside. And when you just don't get the clutch hit or a little blooper to drop in, or a ground ball two inches to the left that's a base hit instead of a double play, it's very frustrating. Yes, no doubt. Uh, David, uh, talk about Juan Soto. We, we're a big fan of him here, obviously, like a lot of people are. I mean, uh, at this young age, just turning 21 years old, talk about the greatness of this kid, unless you, unless you disagree, or just your breakdown of him as a player and what he could be going forward. So I was lucky enough to be with Miguel Cabrera in the World Series when he was 20 years old, and watching someone who we knew would turn into a Hall of Famer, which made trading him so unhappy and so sad for for what we had to do to do it at that time. And I I view sort of Miguel as the greatest right-handed hitter I saw, and I spent time around Vladimir Guerrero and Pujols and some great, great players over my career, Manny Ramirez, but Juan Soto feels like that to me. Um, He loves the game, and that counts. Not every player, you'd be shocked to know, loves playing baseball. Even some of the superstars don't actually love the game. It's their job, and that's similar to the, the world we're in, right? Some of us love what we do. Of course. Some yeah, of us yeah, just yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, Juan Soto loves to play baseball, and he's going to keep getting better, and he could be sort of that lefty generational hitter, and uh, he's got to just keep doing it for a lot of years the way Miguel did from the right side. Um, David, uh, you know, I asked you about the Nats, and and this is, you know, both teams, I mean, they're going to look, Cole's going to be gone, and he was talking in the past tense after the game last night from the Strohs. We know that. And maybe he ends up in Southern California and, and pitching close to home. This Nats team could look a lot different as well because, I mean, odds are people don't believe they're going to be able to re-sign Rendon, and Strasburg is also one that's going to opt out of the four years, $100 million. So, I mean, this might have been the last go-around for this Nat team for a little bit of time here, having to replace potentially two huge cogs for this World Series title. Yeah, I mean, they had they, they smartly let Harper go, and, and we knew that that would be addition by subtraction. And they had Rendon as sort of the superstar. And, you know, Zimmerman is just the emotional leader, but not the superstar anymore. You lose Rendon, you want Soto to step up to that, but 
still he's going to be 21, 22 years old. I still think he's a few years away from being that, but he's certainly a core piece. And in terms of pitching, you're expecting Strasburg to opt out, but you sign Corbin, and he's got that long-term deal. And you've still got Sanchez for another year. You know, they need to be a team of destiny again. I don't think they have what it takes to be a dynasty, which is what Houston was trying for. But it turns out that being a team of destiny matters more than being a team of dynasty. David, I'm a big Met fan here, right? So how's this thing going to shake out with the manager spot? You know, I was hoping to get Girardi. Obviously, he's with the Phils now. Like, what <laughs> what's, what goes on here? Come what? on, man. <laughs> you actually thought there was a chance I that Girardi was going to work with Jeff Wilpon. Come I, on. I, I, <laughs> I, I did. Uh, we were I hopeful. Did. We were hopeful. It was the best guy on the oh. market, though, David. I mean, you look at it. That would have been a home run hire from the Mets. I mean, it really would have been bringing Girardi aboard. No. Listen, I'm hopeful I can run a two-and-a-half-hour marathon, but then I sort of wake up and realize I'm not 6'4 with long legs. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> well, where, you know, Dave, where are they going to go here uh, You know, to play off that? You know, Bogar, the, the first-base coach for the Nats, is going to interview, I guess, tomorrow, his third and, and final interview for this managerial job. We've heard some of the finalists. We've heard Chaz and I have joked around about there being this quote-unquote bombshell candidate for the Mets. Where do you think the Mets end up going here? Yeah, so first of all, let's take that away. There's no more bombshell anything in sports anywhere because there's leaks everywhere. There's no secrets anywhere. So I don't buy into the bombshell because I tried to create some bombshells over my 18 years, and it just got harder and harder with Twitter and social media and not being able to control the news cycle with having sort of a print deadline you know, at midnight. So I don't think that'll happen. I think the Mets are going to go cheaper and and less experienced. They're going to because why would you pay a manager four to five to six million dollars when you can pay him half a million dollars? Especially sort of with Brody Van Wagen. And to him, he wants to be in control along with Jeff and Fred. And you can't have someone in the managerial seat who believes that he's in control. And that's what you have with Girardi and with Showalter, etc. So. It's, it's, it, this was obvious from the beginning how this search was going to go. Do I think it's going to be Eduardo Perez? I had him as a hitting coach. I think he'd make a fine manager, not splashy. He can communicate with his players. I don't know that he's got a World Series pedigree, but I think that your real problem with the Mets, if we're going to talk about it, really sits in the GM seat, not in the manager seat. Uh, so you're not a fan of Van Wagenen. You think he's a problem? I don't think agents can, be, can run baseball teams, right? It's not just because... Uh, you know, I could run a baseball team, but I couldn't be an agent. And I don't know that agents could run a baseball team. I think that it, it takes a, a level of um, understanding of how to have so many different parts working at the same time, pulling in the same direction. When you're an agent, all you care about is your player and getting your player the most money possible. That's sort of your singular job. And when you're a GM, you actually you have to manage up to your owners. You have to manage down to your manager and players. You have hundreds of employees following your lead, working for you. It's a totally different scenario, and I just don't think that that was a smart hire. And I think at the end of the day, he's not going to be long for New York. David Sampson, uh, former executive with the Marlins, a CBS Sports HQ MLB uh, analyst, and also check out his new podcast, Nothing Personal, drops at 5 o'clock each and every day. Hey, David, thanks again for the time this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks, David. Hey, it's always fun. Have a great day, guys. Take you care. got it. There you have it. Hope and he has a great Halloween. I wonder what he's going as. I don't, I don't know. We should Go Girardi? 
We should have. I know. No, we should no have <laughs> right. Not Gerard. Read things on us, Pete. All right. David Samson? Yeah. Oh, my. Uh, Jeter. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that's a good line. That is a good line. That is a good line. <laughs> that is a good line. There was some lines. Ah, oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There wasn't really an uplifting conversation when you were a Mets fan there. <laughs> I, that's Basically, the thing. I, like, you know, it's like, I, you know. The, the agent uh, can't be the general manager, no. and they're going to go the cheap, inexperienced route. After that conversation with David, if you're a Mets fan like me. Jump on board the Nats. Yeah, just basically figure the team's done. They're going to just quit baseball, the Mets. Just, <laughs> they're closing the whole franchise. Good for all of us. Yeah. Um, it's I, I'm I'll be interested to see exactly who the hire is. I, I'm gonna tell you, I think it's gonna end up being Tim Bogar. I hope not. From the Nats, their first base coach. I hope not. They're waiting for him. The guy waiting. holding the bat. Yeah, well, at first base, right? Took the bat from Soto. Yeah. We should all do Soto shuffles as we shuffle our way. You know, when we come into the newsroom every morning. No, no. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Dude. I'm not doing that. I don't want to shuffle. Happy Halloween, I don't want to dance. I don't want to sing. Happy Halloween. Taz and the Moose, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.